Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, tomorrow is, of course, the impeachment vote. And uh, the only issue is... Uh, how many moderate Democrats or how many Democrats in general were going to vote no on uh, impeachment? Every Republican in the House is going to vote no. That's an easy one. And there was some talk of moderate Republicans moving over because during this last major win uh, that swept uh, the Democrats into power in the House, uh, you had uh, some Democrats who won Republican seats, seats that are pro-Trump. The districts are pro-Trump. And in some uh, where Republicans outnumber Democrats by 10, 12, 15 points. I mean, that is not an easy number to overcome. And, of course, the backlash has hit them immediately. And there are, of course, uh, total polarization, as you can imagine. Democrats backing up these Congress people and Republicans uh, screaming at them. And we're talking about it at events, yelling, though, you're going to lose. We're going to make sure you don't win the next election. How dare you vote for the impeachment of our president? Uh, There is a lot of that going on right now. Now, there may be a few that are going to move over to the Republican side. Are there enough? And the answer is no, there aren't. Because now the moderate moderate Democrats, which a lot of people thought it was going to happen, are now lining up to vote yes. And the main reason is, and this one is something that uh, I was trying to figure out early on, how many of uh, members of Congress are willing to vote their conscience? And risk losing their political career. Very few. Uh, The Republicans, that's an easy one. I can't imagine there are many Republican members of Congress that are in danger of losing their seats for voting no on impeachment. But when you have moderate Democrats who are looking at it, that takes some real guts and saying, the reason I'm doing it is simply because I think the Constitution has been violated. And it is simply a moral position. Now, I was talking to John Thomas, and I said, uh, do you think there are people in Congress who ignore politics and simply want to vote their conscience, their belief? And he said, no, there aren't any. And I got to tell you, there's a handful that are doing exactly that. And they may lose. They may lose their next run. So uh, you've got uh, representatives like uh, Colin Peterson of Minnesota. Uh, That's one who uh, that's one Democrat who is going to say no to the impeachment and become a Republican. So he's already there. But you've got in Michigan, uh, Elisa Slotkin, former CIA analyst, 
she was at a town hall meeting and said uh, it was a tough call, but I had to vote what I think my job is. And I believe this president has abused his position of power. I believe the articles of impeachment should be voted in, and she is. So there she is at this town hall meeting, cheers, uh, jeers, chants, threats from constituents. And uh, it is, among certain people, it is tough to be anti-Trump. Or, uh, or yes, it is uh, absolutely very tough to be anti-Trump. Especially in districts where uh, you're looking at a Republican majority. And so, is it going to happen? There's still probably half a dozen that are up in the air. But the numbers pan out where it's going to be virtual, a virtual certainty that the vote will happen tomorrow. The articles of impeachment will be voted in, and then it goes over to the Senate, where Mitch McConnell, who has already said it's an acquittal, he's already said, we're going to acquit the president. This is a waste of time. It's just how we're going to acquit the president, how long it's going to take, how many witnesses are we going to bring forward, because there's no issue as to the vote. Lindsey Graham already said, I, my vote's already in. I'm acquitting no matter what they bring on the table. It's going to be fascinating stuff. Tomorrow the vote, I, I know what the vote's going to do. I can't wait for the trial. That is going to be great. As I said, if I were Mitch McConnell, I knew the outcome. I would simply write up a summary, hand it to every senator, said, please read this tonight. Tomorrow we have the vote. Quick, done, over, now let's get on with the business of the country. Okay, the bullet train. We haven't talked about the bullet train for a while. The bullet train is in trouble, and the rail authority has just handed out this biggest contract ever. Mm. Sounds like fun. Now, we know this thing is way over budget, and we know problems with it. Not only is it a question of we don't know where the money is going to come from, to do the second half of the bullet train. By the way, we don't even know where the money is going to come from to finish the first half of the train. And so uh, the federal government, uh, in its, uh, let's say, uh, breaking of the contract between the California Rail Authority and uh, the government in terms of grants, has already said, you guys have breached. By the way, which it has. The feds are absolutely right about this. And not only is it a question of stopping a billion dollars that had already been appropriated and would not go. This was last year. Uh, but uh, there's another $2.3 billion that the feds have given the rail authority and they're saying we want it back. So with all of this craziness going in, it's years behind schedule. It's tens of billions of dollars over schedule. Uh, the California High Speed Rail Authority has just signed uh, the biggest contract in its history. A 30-year-long contract to install track, high-voltage electric lines, a digital signaling system, a heavy-maintenance train garage, and future maintenance of the equipment and tracks. And it covers half the project, from San Jose to Bakersfield. And uh, the Federal Railroad Administration said, hang on a minute, there, uh, do not move forward with this. Uh, there are all kinds of legal and operational objections, they said. And it is premature.
to undertake another major design-build contract. The one you have now for what is underlying this, the the contracts that are already in place, uh, they are facing significant continuing delay. Well, that was the letter that arrived. The day after that, the rail authority voted to take that next uh, step. And they want bids from three international teams that could result in an award, will result in an award in 2020, and their work is supposed to start in September. By the way, in about a year, the project runs out of money and needs a new appropriation. And then you have the legislature. What the hell do they do? Do they appropriate another tens of billions of dollars? All right. During the Obama administration, $3.5 billion were given to the rail authority. And now the state, this feds want to re- ask for that money back. And um, here's the problem is I think there is a good case for that. So right now they're looking at 119 miles of rail structures and track that has to be installed in the Central Valley by 2022. And that is part of the contract. Now, will there be electrical power signal maintenance facility? Not necessarily. You want to know why? And this is a case of unintended consequences whenever you pass a bill or move forward on a project. What the state is saying is, under the contract, all we have to do is the rail line. No requirement for electrical power or signals or maintenance facility If we simply lay down the rails, we comply. Can you imagine that's left out of a contract that's in the billions and billions of dollars? But you would assume that with the rail line, part of that is the ability to use that rail line. I mean, isn't that implicit in the contract? States going, oh, no, 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 there's nothing in there that says we have to put in electrical power. Or signals or a maintenance facility. No, we comply if we just put in the rails. I mean, it's just spectacular. All right. Okay. I'm going to start start the segment with a statistic and end it with the same statistic. And that is homelessness homelessness in Southern California, L.A. County, actually uh, across Southern California, has increased 75% in the last 10 years. So it's almost doubled. Okay, we start with that. There is a case that has been going up to the U.S. Supreme Court called the City of Boise versus Martin, where the City of Boise uh, was sued for for not having enough shelters in place. And so their anti-vagrancy laws, their anti-camping laws cannot be enforced against homeless people if... The city doesn't have shelter space. That was what the lawsuit filed, and that's what the court said, and the appeals court said, and it went up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court just ruled by not ruling. They're letting the Ninth District uh, decision stand, which means that uh, all the cities, certainly in the Ninth uh, District, which is us, uh, the city cannot arrest, move, Deal with homeless encampments unless there is shelter space for every single one of those people. 
Now, what do you do with that? Well, the cities are a little bit upset about that. Mike Fuhrer, uh, the uh, city attorney, even he, and he's a super liberal, even he weighed in and wanted the court to rule because, well, some guidelines are necessary. For example, what defines a homeless shelter? Can you put 200 beds, barracks into an older building? No one knows at this point. And the question is, how many beds are necessary? So you have 200 people or 100 people a day that are coming into L.A. County, for example, that has this astronomical number of homeless people. I think it's 60,000 which means there have to be 60,000 beds. Or some people say no. Uh, so uh, that's, so let's say 20% are offered beds and they say no, we'd rather stay on the street. And there, uh, obviously, no court is going to say you can't arrest them or ask them to move or deal with it vagrancy because we've offered the bed. But for every 100 people that move in, you have to have 80 beds available. So if two, let's say 300 people move in next week and they're counting because they're figuring out ways of counting these people that are more and more sophisticated all the time. Well, that means you got to put up 250 beds by next week. How does a city do that? Well, of course, the court didn't uh, weigh in on that. Uh, All the court did is say, we're going to leave this one alone. You guys figure it out. The only thing you can't do is arrest or move. Uh, any of these uh, folks in encampments unless you have the shelters. And that's all they said. That's it. That's what the appeals court said. So at this point, the cities are spinning. The counties are spinning to deal with uh, the encampments, with the homeless people. And as I drive home, areas that never had tents, there's one place where I get off the freeway, And what ends up happening is where it used to be just get off the freeway and go under a bridge. Now from one end of the bridge, the underpass to another underneath it, it looks like like an REI showroom with used tents for sale. I mean, across the board. And you would think you call the city and go, hey, you know what? I don't want to see that. And then right next to that uh, is an area where there's gardening centers, you know, where the city owns a plot of land. They let people have their little plots and they can grow their herbs and vegetables or whatever they all uh, other people grow. And, uh, you know, they're being harassed. They're being asked for change. Hey, mister, you have some change to the point where it gets very difficult. But it doesn't matter. You can't move them. I mean, it, it, by the way, is is there some kind of an answer? Well, yeah, a clear answer is you build enough shelter space and you don't have to worry about it. And uh, there should be enough shelter space for 60,000 people in L.A. County. How do you do that? You don't. So let me go back to the stat that I started the segment with. Homelessness has gone up 75% in the last 10 years. How much money do you think we've spent on homelessness between federal grants, state, county money, private organization, churches, NGOs? With all of the money that we have spent, it's still getting worse. 
it's still getting worse. So it's 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 a very very difficult process. It truly is. Okay, um, you know what? I'm tired of the bad news. Uh, I want to do a segment on good news, if you don't mind. Uh, our coastal waters are rising in acidity so desperately or so quickly that everything out there is dying. That's your good news? Well, good news for some of us. And uh, this has just come up. Uh, there was a study that was done. The National Oceanic and Atmosphere, Atmospheric Administration uh, was studying, which it does, uh, the oceans and climate change, etc. And all of a sudden... They make a connection, unexpected connection between the acidification, the levels of acid, and climate. It's a little wonky. It's a climate cycle known as the Pacific uh, Decadal uh, Oscillation. It's kind of weird, but the bottom line is more acid is being found off our coastal, coastal waters than before, and it's growing at twice the rate of uh, its growth across the world. That is a problem. Now, the emissions, the fossil fuel emissions, as much as we are working to slow them down, are not slowing down. The world is actually producing more. And the stress on marine life and the oceans is becoming worse. And here's what happens. When you have carbon dioxide, which is uh, the main ingredient with the fossil fuels that are being burnt, when it mixes with seawater, it it undergoes chemical reactions, and it simply becomes more acid. And with more acid, well, acid is not good for sea life, particularly for seashells that are sold by the seashore. When you take clams and oysters... And those actually, what they do is uh, the acid uh, is actually goes into those shells and into uh, the, the life of uh, the, the clams and the mussels. And then they're used for food. And then you have uh, the various other marine life where acid is not only being found, but being consumed And you have whole species dying off. It's getting worse and worse. Now, the big one is the difficulty for shellfish to build their shells. And that is how they're measuring the acidity. And it gets really interesting. It's like rings on a tree to measure uh, the age of the tree. So the more the acid, the more difficult it is for the shellfish to build their shells So what scientists are doing is they're measuring, looking at the shells themselves. And the the buildup over the years, they look at over a microscope, shows the level of acidity going up and up. That's how they know, for example, uh, how scientists figured out how much carbon dioxide there was in uh, the earth. A hundred years ago, 200 years ago, a thousand years ago. And what they do is they do the coring of... uh, the major ice masses around the world because those can last 10,000 years. You know, it takes about 10,000 years for a glacier, uh, a piece of ice that starts at the top of a glacier to move down and hit the ocean. And what they do is they just drill a core and they can start measuring how the deeper it goes 
uh, the less carbon dioxide there was. So we have absolute measurements. So people that say, well, we, that's not true. We don't know what it was like 200 years ago. We do for sure. And the changes are coming like crazy. There's going to be, of course, as we know already, uh, there's going to be rising sea levels, uh, warmer temperatures. You have species that were never here coming down. One of the reasons we're getting sharks all the time, we, we didn't used to have great whites off the coast of Huntington Beach. Right Now the beaches close occasionally. Shark sightings. I mean, it's like Amityville here in Southern California. It never happened before. That's because global warming is here. So every time we turn around, I do a story about global warming or you hear about global warming. Two things. Number one, it's absolutely true. Those that will tell you it's a myth, it's a hoax, that's crap. You know, it's uh, there are people that absolutely refuse to look at reality. And it's getting worse. And not only are we not doing enough about it, the only way to truly affected, effective, affected is a complete sea change, like that word when we're dealing with the oceans, a complete sea change on how we go about uh, using energy, producing energy, uh, dealing with manufacturing, the fossil fuels, all of that. The manufacturing of cars, uh, moving over to electrical across the world, uh, the power plants moving away from coal and natural gas, that's, ge- that's a generation of working at it. In the meantime, we don't have a generation. I mean, we're probably going to be okay. You know, uh, and uh, because we as a society, we're pretty wealthy. And we're not going to be affected the way third world countries are. And uh, we're not going to see many uh, wars over water, which you're going to see in the rest of the world. Because with the uh, global warming and the use of water, of course, there's less water. It's being sucked out of the ground. I mean, all of it. All of it is bad news. It's very depressing. Okay. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. All right. Let's check over with uh, tech reporter Rich DeMuro. It's Tech Tuesday. His website, richontech.tv. His social handle is at Rich DeMuro. And, of course, uh, the book, 101 iPhone Tips and Tricks, updated for iOS 13. All right. Morning, Rich. Hey, good morning to you, Bill. All right. A couple things. And as soon as I looked at the story, I said, whoa, 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 this one is affecting me. See, most of the time when you do a story that doesn't affect me, I just, okay, that's fine, Rich. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, that's Tune fine. me out. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> this one is a little problematic. Number one, 
because I use Visa cards to buy gas, my Visa card. And number two, I use a Visa card to buy gas. And uh, according to the story from Inc.com, those numbers could be stolen, and it's fairly easy to do. So tell me why I should be worried. Well, here's what's happening. So for many years, we heard about how hackers install these skimmer devices at gas stations. You've probably done stories about that. We've done them here at KTLA. Uh, but the problem is they're not doing that anymore. They say it's too much effort, it's too much work. People have gotten hip to seeing these skimmer devices on the gas station uh, pumps. So they know not to use them if they see them. So what they're doing is they're now just tapping into gas station pumps using software. And that's what's dangerous about this. So what Visa is saying, they came out with this big alert saying that gas stations are pretty much the most dangerous place you can use your card at this point. And here's why Visa is saying this, because right now Visa is on the hook. You know, you, you have a credit card and you see a charge that's on there and you say that I didn't do that. And then they say, okay, we'll take that off your card, right? That's your protection you get by having Visa as a backing or MasterCard or some of these other American Express, whatever. Well, Visa has to shoulder that bill, right? Because of the fraud. So long story short, every other retailer in the world has now upgraded to these chip readers where you pop your card into the device. And when you use a chip reader, there's a difference between that and swiping. When you pop your, your card in, that is giving a one-time card number to that retailer. So if a crook ever got that card number, guess what? They can't do anything with it. It only works that one time when you do that transaction. When you swipe, you're actually handing over your physical card number, which if someone breaks into that retailer, they have that card number now, forever and ever. Now, uh, I, obviously, I buy gas with my credit card all the time. I have yet to see a chip reader. All the retail stores, the markets, all have chip readers now. Uh not one gas station I've seen has that. Right. It's too expensive. They don't want to upgrade. So the, here's my recommendations. Number one, uh, always look for a gas station that has tap to pay, which a lot of the stations don't have that either. It's really tough to find, but I did find one in my neighborhood. And guess what? That's the gas station that I like going to because it is the most convenient for security. And tap to pay means if you have Apple Pay, if you have Google Pay or Samsung Pay, that's when you tap your phone against a little reader and it authorizes it that way. If you're still inserting your your card into the gas station reader, you're not sure. Is it chip? Is it swipe? You don't really know. The second thing is that Visa has now given a mandate to these gas stations who are kind of slacking off here saying, you know what? You got to upgrade your equipment by next October or else we're no longer going to absorb those fraudulent charges. The gas station owner will now have to pay for any fraudulent charges that come out of this whole issue here. And there's plenty of it. So uh, the uh, they always ask for my zip code, the billing zip code. Is that any kind of security? And that's every single gas station I've ever gone to. You put it in, and they say, "What's your zip code?" You put that in, and then it starts going. No, that's their that's their way of trying to pretend to be secure because they haven't upgraded to the chip. If you notice with any chip readers, you don't have to put in anything anymore. Now it's just the chip, and it kind of figures everything out from there. So you might use chip and PIN, which means your PIN number, right? But the reality is most of these gas stations are asking for the zip code as sort of a precaution against themselves since they haven't upgraded their software. They're saying, all right, well, this is one way that we can kind of verify 
this person is who they are. But the problem is, Bill, it doesn't matter. Once they have that transaction data, what this what Visa is saying is that hackers have gotten so smart, they're just tapping into these transaction databases, grabbing the information out of there, and then using those numbers in other places. So again, if you had the chip, you know, the chip cards, all the numbers they grab would be useless. But when they grab these swiped numbers, it's actually the physical number off your credit card. And that's why it's so dangerous. Globally speaking, are the hackers winning this war? I think it's a it's a it's a game that's kind of ending soon. They're always going to find new ways of getting around the new security precautions. But I think that in, in the end of the day, the chip has done wonders for security when it comes to transactions on your credit card and your debit card. And again, don't forget, the U.S. was way far behind than the other countries. Yeah. And so they've been having a field day here. Uh, one of my fears uh, when I go to my bank, and I have pretty good friends with my banker, is what stops a hacker from going in and just cleaning my account out? And they said, don't worry about it. We have the safeguards. We have the firewalls. Is that a real uh, fear? Is that realistic? Um, I think it's it's possible. Anything's possible. Is it probable? Probably not. But I, I have the same fear. I'm sure other people do. And when I write a check, which I try never to do, think about it. Your account numbers are right on the bottom of that check. Would you hand some random person a check or a piece of paper with all of your account information on there, your name, your address, your phone number, your driver's license, your checking account numbers down at the bottom? This is why I don't write checks anymore because anyone has access to that. Now, banks on the back end should have some security precautions in place to help people not clear out your account. And usually, if you link up some sort of transfer, they do two little tiny deposits into your account. You have to verify those deposit numbers, and then they let the transactions go through. So there are there are precautions in place, but personally, I think that uh, you always have to be on guard with this stuff. All right, Verizon 5G. I'm seeing a lot of that in terms of commercials. And it's being available in more and more cities. Unfortunately, not here. The latest I'm reading is uh, parts of Des Moines. <laughs> uh, boy, that's exciting. No, uh, they've, they've buried it at the bottom of that. They said Des Moines, and then at the bottom, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, L.A. too. <laughs> so it is in L.A. It's just – it's so here's the thing, Bill. In the past week uh, – last week, I got an email from AT&T saying, hey, 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 our uh, 5G is now available in Los Angeles. Great. Then about two days later, I get one from Verizon saying, oh, yeah, no, no, we're right here too. We have it available. So when it comes to Verizon, there's – is – it's this 5G thing is really confusing for consumers because the thing that you need to know about it, it's super fast. It's going to be faster than the connection on your phone. But what's being debated right now, and in reality, people are finding out that it's not that much faster all the time in every place. Sometimes it's amazing and it's like you can download a movie in 10 seconds. Other times it's like, oh, okay, it's just my same old phone. So with Verizon, you've now got their 5G, which they call ultra-wideband service, available in parts of downtown, Chinatown, uh, Venice. And so this is areas like the L.A. Convention Center, Union Station, L.A. Live, Staples Center, and Venice Beach. They're saying detailed coverage maps will be available on December 20th, which is in a couple days, which is interesting because when this first launched, uh, this was for the home from Verizon, They, you couldn't find any maps of where it was available. So you'd pop your address in and everyone popped their address in and nobody came up with a, a match. And so now we're finally getting maps. But when you look at these maps, Bill, it's literally a couple of streets 
in these cities that they're launching. And it's because it's expensive to launch the super fast 5G and it requires a lot of antennas. So and, what yeah. exactly does it do? Is it just it just makes it faster and that's it? Um, it's faster and it's lower latency. Latency means if you ever look up a website on your phone and you're kind of waiting for the reaction from the other side, like you you type in something into Google and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for kind of the search results or the website to react, that's called latency. And that's really important when it comes to things like self-driving cars. You don't want any latency. You don't want the car to say, hey, do I make a left or right to the server? And the server gets the response to the car in a minute because guess what? You're dead. So, and same thing with video games. If you're playing a video game, you don't want any latency between the time that you press a button on that video game and something happens on screen. That's called latency. So with 5G, the latency is way less than it was okay. with 4G. How about uh, the phones itself? Uh, do we have to get new phones? Yep, you do. And right now, there's not many phones available. So the the most popular iPhone or f- most popular phone in America is the iPhone, and that is not available right now with 5G. Now next year, we will probably see a 5G iPhone. Right now, you've got Samsung devices, and from a company called OnePlus, you've got their devices. And by the way, so I mentioned the whole thing with the speed. AT&T is taking a slightly different approach they're using two different types of 5g one that travels further but it's not as fast and then one that's super fast but doesn't travel as much so they've they're, they're kind of doing a mix around town hmm. yeah. so uh, we're going to be paying and i'm assuming that the phones that will enable you to use 5g are not the cheapo creepo models either no not right now but you know they're doing some deals on them but here's the thing the early reviews say that they're hot they, you know, they, they, the battery doesn't last as long. So right now, you know, it's first generation. So the first time we're seeing these phones, the first time we're seeing these networks, there's going to be some growing pains. And I think that for the average consumer, you probably don't really have to worry about this until probably next year. Right. And then you're going to do first generation $1,100 hit, right? Yeah, exactly. So next year with the iPhone, when it comes out, it'll probably be a little bit more expensive to get a 5G model. But by that time, you know, we're talking next September. Hopefully the networks will be a little more robust because the last thing you want to do is spend all this money on a 5G phone and you go to use it. It doesn't work at your house. doesn't work at your work. Sure, you go to Staples Center. It works there. Great. I mean, how many times do you go there? So that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. But anyway, AT&T and Verizon and Sprint and T-Mobile now all have some sort of 5G in Los Angeles. All right, Rich. Uh, website, richontech.tv at Rich DeMuro, and the book 101 iPhone Tips and Tricks. Uh, That's updated. All right. Excellent. Rich, we'll see you again uh, next week. Thank you, Bill. You have a good one. You too. All right. uh, Now, uh, day after tomorrow is uh, the Democratic presidential debate. And uh, this is going to be at Loyola Marymount University, and there was a whole issue as to whether or not he was even going to be there. But today it worked out. Because there was uh, a potential strike among the workers that worked at the food services organization that had a contract with uh, Loyola Marymount. It's a little removed a couple of times. And uh, if there was a picket line, none of the candidates would cross it. But it all worked out this morning. It's done. And so it's going to happen. So what a lot of people were wondering, including me, is uh, how much time is going to be spent on California issues. Now, it's not so much the candidates, but it's going to be the questioners, right? It's going to be the moderators who are asking the questions, the members of the press. And so maybe we're not going to get to it, although keep in mind, 
These are the Democratic candidates. Uh, they're running in California, of course. Now, in terms of the presidential race, it means nothing. California is a blue state. We know it's going to be a blue state. It's going to vote Democratic, and it doesn't matter whether the Democrat, Republicans spend money, don't spend money in California. It's a given. So we never get much of attention. All the delegates uh, or whatever the percentage is goes to uh, the candidates. But when you're talking about the primaries, that's a different animal because the primaries in California actually mean a lot. So you're going to hear a lot of national issues. You're not going to hear the California issues, particularly Southern California. Keep in mind, this is local. The debate is right down uh, the freeway. So what are they not going to talk about that we would love to hear about? How about the wildfires? The president keeps accusing uh, our state government of failing to clear the forests. It's all Gavin Newsom's fault, who hasn't even been in office a year, who's done a terrible job of forest management. Well. The feds own 57% of uh, the forests. Private landowners own 40%. The state, which is doing a horrible job and causing all these wildfires, uh, owns 2.2%. But it's the state's fault. So you would think, and by the way, it's a huge problem, the wildfire issue, as you know. Uh, Are the candidates going to even talk about it? Will there be questions even asked about it? Taxes. Right, state and local taxes. Uh, What happened with, and this gets really interesting, because here is where an anti-tax party and administration nails California by the number one, uh, the well, the state income tax is ours, but what they just did in terms of our property taxes. We pay enormous property taxes here in California, as does New York, and it's no longer deductible, anything above $10,000 a year. And I know a lot of people don't pay $10,000 a year in taxes, but a lot of people do. And here's the administration saying, we don't like taxes except for you in California. Now, what do the Democratic candidates say? Are they going to actually argue against the administration? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. In upping taxes? They're all in favor of taxes being upped. I mean, that would be a fascinating discussion, which we're not going to hear. Homelessness. Big issue going across the country, particularly here in Southern California, where we are homeless central. 
L.A. County, 60,000 homeless. Statewide, 130,000. Our sidewalks, littered, tents, and trash, and I mean, it's just horrible. Uh, By the way, the White House uh, just blamed California for the homeless issue. Why? Overregulation, excessive taxation, and poor public service delivery. It's all the state's fault. It's not the housing issue. It's not uh, the issue of people being put out of work because of uh, computerization. None of that exists. The bullet train. The feds are granting a lot of money for the bullet train. And why does China and Japan and Europe Why do they make bullet trains work? Because those are all subsidized by the national governments. And the feds are cutting back on the money that they're giving California for the bullet train. Which, by the way, rightly so. Because California, or the rail authority, has breached almost every provision of the contract that was signed with the federal government in terms of getting money. You will get money. If you do A, B, C, and D, according to the contract the rail authority has with the feds. And A, B, C, and D have all been breached. But that's worth talking about. I mean, that's a huge issue for us here in Southern California. Immigration. Boy, that's a national issue. But do you think it hits uh, our state uh, right at the top? Texas and California getting nailed the worse. And what? And here it is. Do the presidential candidates talk about uh, a sanctuary country? We're already a sanctuary state. And that limits law enforcement's ability to help help feds, the fed agents, deport the immigrants or pick them up, the illegal immigrants. And you think that these the candidates will talk about that? Uh, Probably not. So we're going to see a debate take place here in Los Angeles. And we're going to see Los Angeles not even mentioned or Southern California not even mentioned other than I want to thank the folks at Loyola Marymount for inviting us. How about a joke about the traffic on the 405? Just that would be fine. Sorry I'm late, but the 405 traffic, you know how bad it is. All right, Uh, starting on January 1st, obviously a a lot of new bills kick in. Uh, This is one of the big ones. New building codes take effect requiring all newly built homes statewide to be powered by the sun. And that means solar panels, right? Maybe not. This is the first in the nation All right, Uh, all new single-family homes and new multifamily residents up to three stories tall, think condos, uh, have to be constructed either with panels on the roof or powered by a larger solar system somewhere else. Therein lies the potential for a whole lot of, well, let's say jiggling the rules. Now, there are exemptions as to your solar roof, right? If you have large trees or hills or other buildings, have so much shade on the lot where it's impractical, uh, you don't have to comply. The builders can ask for a waiver. Uh, that's fair. 
However, the part that is questionable is a builder uh, puts up a group of homes and says, wait a minute, the utility is putting up an array of homes a mile away, two array of solar, mile, two miles away. We can tap into that. And then what we do is we then are uh, okay with the new bill, right? We're within uh, the language of the new bill. And you got a lot of people that are pro-solar saying, oh, no, 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 no. Strangely enough, uh, the solar companies who install solar roof systems are saying, no, 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 that's not a good idea. You don't want them to come from an array of solar panels someplace else. You want the power to come from the solar systems we put on roofs. And so we'll see what's going to happen, right? My guess is that you're only going to see some of the larger companies that are larger home builders that are going to take the solar power from an array of solar panels, let's say a a solar farm miles away uh, because they have the infrastructure, they can do it. The small guy, eh, he's going to put up some solar panels. Although, you know, the, the big companies... A lot of them are already there. Uh, They have the means of designing and developing mass quantities of homes that incorporate solar roofs. So what are the problems with the solar, right? Well, the big one is the cost. It increases the price of a new house by $9,500, which is estimated uh, by uh, the uh, president of Linar Ventures, which is one of the huge uh, building companies. However, over 30 years, the homeowner saves $19,000. So the homeowner's $10,000 to uh, the, the richer side. Well, but I have to put up the $10,000 now. Well, not, not quite. Let's say you're going to finance that, right, over what, 30 years, which is what you normally finance a house for. Well, the mortgage payment increases 40 bucks. A month, the homeowner saves $80 a month in electricity bills. So that makes sense across the board. So you've heard my commercials for Sunlux. And that is, it not only is it an environmental issue, which is huge, as we move more and more towards solar. I heard, uh, where did I hear, maybe uh, a couple of days ago, that the number of solar panels that are right now on roofs is equivalent to six power plants across the state that we haven't built, that we didn't have to build. And that number is going to increase the number of solar uh, rooftops and the solar panels and solar systems going to increase like crazy. So it makes sense financially. That's really where the market turned. As soon as it crossed over into, it makes more sense to use a solar system than it does to buy electricity from the utility companies that's when the snowball started really rolling. And now you're going to see, well, we already have a third of uh, the state powered by alternative energy. And with this new law coming into place, now you're going to see solar panels. 115,000 new homes are built every year in the state. And 15,000 of those, that's from building organizations, 15,000 of those actually have solar systems where people put in solar systems. Wait till it's 100%, which is exactly what's going to happen starting January 1st. All right.
Now, uh, I want to share a case with you. We talked a little bit about this morning in Wayne, who, of course, was in the uh, federal criminal justice system for, what, 28 years, so he knows his stuff. Uh, I wanted him to join us, and it's about a guy uh, by the name of Curtis Flowers who was convicted of a quadruple homicide, and that was 20 years ago. He's been in jail for 20 years, has had six trials and he's still in jail and he has yet to be convicted where it hasn't been overturned so how is this possible uh well has it ever happened i can't think of another situation where somebody has been subjected to six trials and uh Never been, I guess, properly convicted. Convicted right? four times. Convicted for two mistrials. This, this is the thing. This is my understanding of what happened. Six trials. First trial, convicted, overturned, prosecutorial misconduct. Second trial, convicted, overturned, prosecutorial misconduct. Now, what you would think is, at that point, the appeals court or the state Supreme Court that overturned these verdicts, after the second time of prosecutorial misconduct... They would remove the local prosecutor from the case and say, you can't prosecute this guy anymore. If the state wants to step in and the state attorney general wants to pick it up, they can prosecute him. And that's what happened in Orange County with the decry case. Yes. Where uh, the court removed it from the Orange County DA. This was uh, Todd uh, Spitzer's predecessor, Rakakis, who screwed up the case so badly, the state came in and took it over. And that, But it didn't happen here, did it? No, they let him have another bite at the this apple. Is this is Mississippi. Now, third trial. Uh, you know what? Sometimes I get mixed up on which hung one was, jury. Was I it. think. Yeah. No. Third. The third. No. Third. Here's where it starts. Now I'm remembering. Third trial convicted, overturned, and here's where the racial profiling of the jurors starts to become an issue. Overturned because the prosecutor kicked off all the potential black jurors without good cause. Fourth trial, there were black jurors hung jury. Yeah, by the way, he's African-American Flowers. Flowers is African-American. Right. Exactly. Uh, Fifth trial, there's an African-American on the jury, hung jury. Now the pattern is clear. They can only convict this guy... If there's an all-white jury, and they mess around, yeah. On the but other, that seems on, to be the pattern, right? But, yeah. But on or the other hand, say but on the other they hand, they can't if convict him if there's a black on the that's jury. That's exactly I was going to say. It goes both ways. Okay, except that, except that, because the previous times they had to cheat every time to convict him, I think the balance is more they can't convict him unless the jury's all, right. all white. And then, okay, sixth trial, convicted. All the way to the Supreme Court of the United States overturned, kicking the blacks off jury out of the jury pool with no good reason. And yet still, Doug Evans, the prosecutor, is permitted to go for a seventh trial if he wants. I've never seen this much misconduct without the case being and removed. At that at this point, why wouldn't the court on its own motion simply dismiss uh, and just say you can't, this, because this is over? You can't. But all you can do is remove the prosecutorial agency from being it. You're sort of dismissing it as to the DA. Then the attorney general of the state would have to step in and take up the mantle. 
And I can't imagine the attorney general wouldn't dismiss at this point. I or, would imagine. Or cut a deal. He's been in jail for 20 years. Yes, he has. Uh, you could possibly have a plea. Or I could see the attorney general down there saying it's not worth it at this point. Now Flowers is on bail, but that's not actually that interesting. There's a law in Alabama. If you've been on trial twice and you haven't been convicted, now you're entitled to bail. Yeah. So that was almost an automatic decision that was going to be made. Now, one before we uh, go, one more interesting facet of this story. Bail is $250,000, yeah. of which uh, the Flowers family has no, no ability to ever come up with. An anonymous person came in and put up the bail. Sure. You know, this guy has a lot of supporters out there because this is one of those weird cases where sometimes you see a, a, a guy has a lot of supporters and it's usually based on he's innocent. He's innocent. Now, here, there are a lot of people who think he's innocent, but honestly, it's not crazy to believe he committed the crime. It's people who are saying it doesn't even matter anymore because what he has been put through with Six separate prosecutions, four trials where the prosecutor violated his constitutional rights. That's enough to say this guy should be let out and, and not prosecuted again. By the way, do you know of any trials where you had a first time hung jury? And if it's a big case, of course, the D.A. will try it again. Oh, yeah. yeah that's without, not uncommon. Right. And even rarely a second hung jury, the D.A. may come back. Although, have you ever heard of that? Where a I'm third go around? I'm not personally aware of prosecutors going for a third prosecution after two mis- yeah. uh, two hung juries. I'm not aware of one. It's probably happened somewhere. Not a seventh. No, I don't I, think th- that's th- ever happened. Look, Doug Evans. There's something wrong with Doug Evans. I don't know what it is, but he he is not behaving yeah. like any other prosecutor at this point. At a minimum. They would approach Flowers and his defense team and say, how about a deal that gets you out now? And he's not apparently even willing to pursue that. And is he capable of trying this guy fairly and winning? It doesn't seem that he is. All right. Wayne, thanks much. This is KFI AM 640. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.